Welcome to episode 96 of Honestly Unbalanced and this is actually the first of a few unusual episodes. We were at Soul Circus Festival, shout out to Soul Circus, uh, who are back August next year. Uh, we're at that festival in Cheltenham in the UK and we had a tent and we interviewed a few wonderful people for some mini conversations. The first of which is Andy Nathan, who believes that men thrive best when supported and challenged equally by other ambitious, open-minded and big-hearted men. As you can guess, Andy is mainly a men's coach, but he does a lot more than that. And in this conversation, which Holly led, we chatted or she chatted about how our brains are wired for survival and anything new and different is often perceived as a threat, misconceptions on fear, the difference between ego and intuition, how the term toxic masculinity can produce unhealthy shame, how generational trauma and unresolved past experiences can impact individuals' emotional well-being and the importance of empathy, plus loads more. Hope you enjoy this mini episode. And as always, just a few little perks for you. You can get 10% off Vivo Barefoot Shoes, which I pretty much wear every day, with code Adam Hustler VB, A D A M H U S L E R V B, and 10% off Innermost Protein and everything else they sell uh, with code Adam H 10, A D A M H 10. Both of those products, Innermost and Vivo, are literally in my life every single day, and I love them. And even if I wasn't an ambassador for them, I would be using them. Anyway, Honestly you enjoy the episode. Unbalanced. Hello, everyone in the audience. Thank you for joining us this morning on this early, early Saturday morning. And most importantly, thank you so much to Andy for joining us here thank today. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning, Andy. I would love to start. I read. Uh, I was doing a bit of Instagram stalking as I do before <laughs> chatting to all the guests, and I'd love to start by reading one of your beautiful posts recently. Just a part of it, you say that fear is an invitation and challenge is an education. Mm. Would you mind speaking a little bit to that? Yeah. Um, our development happens outside of our comfort zone, right? And um, our comfort zone often isn't actually uncomfortable. And we see, naturally, we see fear as something to be frightened of, right? Mm -hmm. It's like the primary emotion that gets programmed into us in utero. And then our brains are wired. Our brains are wired for survival. So anything that, that is new, anything that is different, anything that... Um, that we don't understand immediately the brain assumes is going to be a threat mm, mm -hmm. and so we create stories we identify with previous experiences and it makes us think that oh if i'm feeling scared or if i'm feeling fear if i don't know what i'm doing if i have doubt if i feel insecure it must mean that there's something wrong with this i can't do it or mm -hmm. i should stop and that's not necessarily the yeah. truth I actually heard something once on a podcast which was brilliant and they said that if you feel fear often it's actually I think you even said it in your post it's a, it's a sign that you're going in the right direction yeah. sometimes yeah yeah but yeah how do you sort of differentiate then when it's fear as in this is actually the right direction for me yeah or your intuition saying actually no this is probably not the right thing for me <laughs> that's a great question I mean you know ego and intuition are two different things yeah. right and we yeah. Intuition is, for me, intuition is something that when we tap into, there's a calmness in the nervous system. Mm, that's nice. So we're regulated. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's like, no, in every cell of my body, this this feels like a hard no. So it feels like a, a boundary that we want to set. We're like, yeah. no, actually, I don't want to do that. Yeah. With fear, um, there may be more sympathetic arousal. We may have more overthinking. We may have more doubt. 
should I do this? What if? How? You know, those yeah, kind of yeah. things might crop up. Yeah. Right? Can you give an example of maybe when you felt that you were in resistance and fear and yep. then you realised, oh, actually, maybe I need to, you know, find a way to overcome this. Was there a moment or and how did you overcome this moment? Gosh, I mean, this is a this is like a regular thing for yeah, me, right? Um, it's for probably most people. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd say I'm part of a, a men's mastermind. Yeah. And um whenever there is something going on in my life where I don't feel comfortable at, about how I'm handling it or if I'm overthinking or if I'm worried, sharing it with other men is always something yeah, that definitely. terrifies the bejesus out of me. Oh, but okay. I also know that when I do that, they'll listen and then someone else will probably say, oh yeah, I've had that experience. Mm. So I would say as a man, sharing, sharing something that feels edgy whether it's in conversation with my partner Rach or other men, something like that would that would probably uh, be something where I'd want to traditionally want to kind of edge away from doing it. But actually now I understand that fear really is a green light. You know, it's an invitation to step forwards into 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 growth. Mm. And I know that you're a heavy meditation practitioner and yeah. teacher as well. Yeah. How do you feel that meditation has played a part in helping you to overcome life's challenges? You know what? I think I think it's the the reminder just to come back to something tangible. And Adam and I had the same one of the same teachers, Michael Stone. Yes. So a lot of the work that he did, certainly in his trainings, was really about anchoring into into a physical sensation. Um, and you know when we're I mean you know this right when we're in our head you were talking about this in your session yesterday when we're in our heads there's so much going on but when we drop into the body there's so much there's so much wisdom in our bodies that's really where um, we can regulate our nervous, nervous system we can learn to feel safe we can actually feel safe so meditation the art of being present in the body particularly when there's an anchor in the body that's really helped me that helped the racing mind that helped you know, anxiety, depression, all of the stuff that used to really keep me awake at night. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, thank you. And coming back to, uh, why do you think men struggle so much to voice how they're feeling? I know this is the work that you do in the world now. Yeah. So what, where is, what, what are the challenges of for men in modern day society and why is it so hard for them to speak up? I think, um, I think it's got a lot to do with, you know, there's cultural stuff, there's environmental stuff, there's this unspoken thing that we need to just kind of get on with things and carry on. But also if you think about ancestrally, if we look at this idea of ancestral trauma, yeah. you know, you go back three or four generations, you've had like two world wars, you've had recessions afterwards. Mm. So there's been constant survival where, you know, our great grandparents yeah. and their parents it was like, there's not enough food. Are we going to die? The family separated. Let's just get on with it. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's had a big, Im certainly in this country, yeah. that's had a big impact generationally in just get on with it. And also, you know, culturally as well, um, I think things are definitely shifting. But even for me um, and, you know, the men that I work with and the different groups that I'm a part of, there, there still is this thing that, that being open or vulnerable and vulnerable is a funny old word for yeah, men for yeah. men but being vulnerable it it can feel weak right because mm. if you've had an experience when you were little of not not having that attunement not having nurture not having mm. validation or acknowledgement when you were little 
then it's not going to feel safe for you to try that out. And mm-hmm. particularly if, you know, you're with a partner who has had similar experiences. So we've got all of this kind of unconscious conditioning mm. flowing in our in our bodies and our nervous systems in our relational patterns. Then it's not going to feel safe because you may feel like you're going to be attacked or rejected yeah. or abandoned yeah. or ridiculed, right? Yeah, and underneath that is shame. You know, if I if I if I am vulnerable, if I am really open and someone laughs at me or dismisses me or ridicules me, then it means there's something wrong with me or I'm not good enough or totally. I'm not worthy. Yeah. I think it's uh, vulnerability is it's, it's so interesting, isn't it? How if you really think about it, it's something I was thinking about the other day, actually, if, you know, being um, open with how you're feeling, crying, which is a completely human emotion for yeah, men for and sure. for women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why is it seen as a weakness, especially for men? It's just it's, it's a bizarre thing when you really think about it. And like you said, men don't feel like they can be open and, yeah. and cry and shed their tears because they feel they're going to be attacked or whatever. So. Yeah, how do you sort of break through that then and reframe it? I think the 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 way to break through that is to model like a new version of healthy masculinity. Yeah. Um, coming back to, you know, the work that I'm doing and with some of the guys that I work with, you know, the ex-military, but they, you know, they've been conditioned yeah. to, you know, emotions are going to get them killed. It's going to get their, their mates killed on the battlefield, right? Yeah, actually, so that's a good point. Yeah, They've been conditioned to be like that. So coming out of that, when when healthy masculinity can be can be modelled and and you can reframe it like it's a sign of strength that yeah. you can connect to what your experience is um, and that it's safe for you to do that because everybody else is is like yeah I feel like this too and actually I wish that I could get this stuff out because it's driving me mad yeah yeah you know it's kind of affecting my relationship it's affecting how I parent when other men can see the power of releasing. Then, um, then it does start to shift, but it's a, you know it's a process, right? Yeah. It's a de- it's a deconditioning process, a bit like you know, a bit like human design, right? This yes. idea of where we we have to decondition ourselves, like that's what men have to do, yeah. I think, as well, yeah. and women, obviously, in this society. Yeah, and this is exactly what you're doing in the world today. So, will you share a little bit about your program? Is it called I Am Man? Is it it's called the Man Program. The man, sorry, I don't know why I keep getting it. I am man. I am man. <laughs> man. I knew it was something like strong. The you man. You make fire. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about the Man Program. The Man Program. Um, it is. Uh, it's a program which launches in October, the second of October. It's a six-month mentorship and leadership training. It's a coaching and therapeutic program, and it's ten men basically, and we take them through this this journey. Um, it's deep shadow work. It's psychological work. We have, um, especially men's archetype coke coach um, we have an ex Scottish national judo champion teaching men about sacred rage and addiction we have me with deep therapeutic coaching and shadow work we have Rach is going to be doing um, she's a women's coach so she'll be talking about women's women's challenges and trauma and then we've got a sex and relationship psychotherapist so we're covering every angle that a man needs from body to relationships to childhood trauma and we're going to be just helping them uncover all of the stuff that is sticky for them. But these men are already successful. You know, they're the founders, they're running businesses or they're busy professionals. And what they what they want is to feel like they're going to be the man that they want their children to look up to. You know, they want to be leaving a legacy. And, and my intention for the program and for the other um, facilitators is we want to 
train men to be really powerful mentors and leaders in their communities, in their families, in their workplaces, so that we're creating a change like that ripple by giving men the tools, the skills, so that they can just go out and be that kind of person. And then they can go and do that to other men. They can do that to their sons, to their brothers, to their fathers. Sounds like exactly what the world needs at the moment. I'm so grateful know, to you right? for doing this work, honestly, because it's, it's so, there's such a gap, I think, in the world for it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm so pleased that you're doing this work. Thanks, and Holly. actually something that came up was, you hear this word, um, or these words, toxic masculinity come <laughs> up a lot. And I've heard sort of, I heard this, uh, podcast the other day and someone was saying oh there's no such thing you, you can be like a toxic female as well yeah. would you yeah. speak a little bit about what you think that is yeah yeah I mean I think words have different meaning for different people right depending on their experience so I think everyone has been harmed by um, emotionally immature masculinity and mentally and I think we all have right whether it's culturally whether it's in our families whether it's with partners there there is wounding as a result of that but there's also wounding that's caused that right so I think unhealthy would be where I would go but some people use the word toxic the reason I don't like using the word toxic is because one of the things that I think is really really powerful in a negative way is how we can carry unhealthy shame you know how we'll judge ourselves and how we can project that onto other people and when we say that when we say that something's bad it doesn't have a chance to be anything else in our brains we've like that's what it is and so that for me is why I don't use that word but at the same time I can understand that some people would would probably if they've got a high emotional charge because they've had an experience which was powerfully negative if they've been abused or traumatized then I can understand why you know if they haven't processed their stuff why they would see it like that um but yeah i mean you know it's all about it's all about childhood i mean you're a mum right you know it is all about you know the most formative years how we are how we are taken care of how we are you know the human beings need five things right we need to we need to feel significant we need a sense of belonging we need um empathy we need acknowledgement we need validation from being a baby to our last breath if we get that enough across our most formative years as a brain and a nervous system are developing together then we're going to have you know form healthy secure attachments with people and we're going to be able to model that to people if that doesn't happen and for many people that doesn't happen then unconsciously we're dragging that stuff that sense of not being good enough or i need to be on my guard or you know this person is a threat or whatever it is we're dragging that around with us and then you add on to that other experiences because of unconsciously we're drawing negative experiences to us because of our energy and our trauma and stuff. I can see why people would say, yes, it's toxic, but I would say it is more a result of generational trauma and a lot of people not dealing with, ultimately dealing with their SH asterisk T. Thank you. That's such an interesting perspective. I think you're so right about saying a toxic is it feels really static, like you can't change it. Yeah, you're shaming someone, it's right? So um, true. It's it's, like, it's almost like it's come from someone that's had a really bad experience. They're absolutely. Like, oh, men are toxic, yeah. which isn't the case. Everyone's got the ability to change, haven't they? And we all have the ability to be. We have the ability to be um, incredible people, like beings of beings of love and compassion, and we have 
the ability to be dickheads as well. We all do. <laughs> we're, we all have that within us. Yeah. Yes, you absolutely. know, it's like if we haven't eaten, if we've slept really badly, you know, yeah. we're going to be cranky, right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. But it's how we receive that, you know, how somebody else receives that and what they're going through, right? Yeah, totally. Oh, Andy, it's been so wonderful to chat. Where can people find you this weekend? Are you teaching again? I am. So I'm doing a nervous system reset in the Just Breathe tent at 11. And then I'm doing a men's workshop in a warrior. Connect to your um, your inner rage and anger at 5 p.m. in the Just Breathe tent. And if people want to find out more about the MAN program, you can go to manprogram.co.uk or on Instagram, the MAN program. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much. And your personal Instagram is? Andy J. Nathan. Andy J. Nathan. Thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. Thank you, Holly. I'll see you at the weekend sometime. Thank you. (laughs) Honestly Unbalanced.